the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Hello, it is the Nick D Podcast here at the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Episode number 157, that's what this is, and I'm your host, Nick DeGilio. Welcome to the Nick D Podcast. Hope you're having a lovely summer. Uh, a, a fun episode coming up here. Uh, we got our visit, uh, our bi-weekly visit from the great Dan Feinberg, TV critic for The Hollywood Reporter, um, and The Fine Print, F-I-E-N. We've got a whole bunch of TV stuff to talk about, and the, uh, the Emmy nominations come out today. I don't know if you're listening to them. They either come out today or they were announced today. They were, they will be announced or they were announced. But we're going to have Dan uh, predict, and we'll see how close he is, to uh, predicting the major nominees for the Emmy Awards for the best in television uh, for, uh, for this year. That's coming up. Um, we got a lot of TV to talk about with Dan Feinberg. Uh, my good friend, Esmeralda Leon, who joins me every week, is going to join me. We're going to talk about some crazy... Like, I had a lot of uh, interaction with thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people in the past three days. We'll talk about that, and we'll talk about concerts, and we will also talk about a great viral video that turned into a great CBS news story involving an 11-year-old girl and a very unusual crush that she has. And then I think Esmeralda and I will talk about our unusual crushes when we were younger, because we liked weird stuff when we were younger. My dad's going to stop by and tell a joke, as he does every Tuesday on the podcast. That's coming up. And uh, much more. If you want to join us, we love to get your feedback, your contributions, your questions, your requests for magic megaphone messages, which I read into the megaphone or speak into the megaphone. Anything you want to say, anything you want to leave us, 24-7, we want to hear from you. By leaving voicemails at 773-417-6948. Leave those messages now, 24-7-773-417-6948. Or drop us an email anytime you want, nickdpodcast at gmail.com. That uh, email address, nickdpodcast at gmail.com, is wide open for you to ask any questions of our guests or any contributions or anything you want, comments. And also, that'll reach me at my other podcast, which is the Saturday Night Live podcast that I host and created called That Show Hasn't Been Funny in Years, an SNL podcast. It drops every Wednesday, a brand new episode. It's weekly. It's a deep dive into the greatest sketch comedy show of all time. 48 seasons of material that I'm choosing from, and I do a ton of stuff. We are at episode 27 is coming up. So uh, we're doing one a week, having a great time doing it. Uh, sometimes I have guests, sometimes I don't. Uh, Molly Carney, by the way, who is a uh, cast member whose first season uh, was just this last season, is going to join me on uh, a future episode. So keep that in mind. And the last episode, uh, actually the episode that drops tomorrow, I should say, the episode that drops tomorrow, a little preview for you, is all about the one time that Rodney Dangerfield hosted SNL. The entire episode is dedicated to the March 8th, 1980 episode. The only time Rodney hosted 
hosted Saturday Night Live. And not only is it interesting from that point, but there's a lot of weird material in it, and I go through the whole thing. If you like Saturday Night Live, you need to subscribe to the podcast immediately. You can check it out at RadioMisfits.com or wherever, whatever platform you want to get your podcasts. Uh, also, we stream 24-7. There is a streaming service that runs. It's RadioMisfits.live. You can hear unheard music from unsigned bands all the time, incredible episodes of all the unbelievably cool podcasts that we have at Radio Misfits, and it's 24-7. You can hear this podcast, the Nick D Podcast, daily at 3 p.m. Central, RadioMisfits.live, and you can hear my SNL podcast, that show hasn't been funny in years, daily at 9 a.m. Central. So hear that, among all the other really great stuff, streaming 24-7. Check out our services uh, at RadioMisfits.com. And you should also uh, become a... Uh, a sponsor uh, for this podcast. It's a popular podcast. Let me just tell you that right now. And it would be good for your, uh, for your product or your endorsement. Sales at RadioMisfits.com. Get in here and advertise with us. Jason Skaggs, my main man, does all the sound and the music. Uh, and also, we are doing a live version of this podcast at Flashback Weekend. Now, the Flashback Weekend Horror Convention is the best horror convention in the country. You don't have to be a horror fan to come and have a great time. Lots of parties, lots of celebrities, lots of stars, lots of great merchandise that you can buy. Um, really cool stuff. You can get autographs and pictures, and Sven Gulli is going to be there, and Joe Bob Briggs is going to be there, and a whole bunch of celebrities and stars from the horror world are going to be there. I am one of the hosts. I am one of the people that organizes the uh, the, 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 the Q&A ballroom. I host a lot of Q&As. I moderate things. I introduce things. I am there all weekend long having a great time. And again, Mike and Mia, who run Flashback, are letting me and Esmeralda host a live version of this very podcast on the stage in the big ballroom for you. And you can be a part of it. You'll be a part of the live recording. We've got prizes we're going to be giving away, really cool stuff that we're going to be giving away. There are going to be surprise celebrity guests. Uh, one of the celebrities might be from Berwyn. I'm not sure yet. But yeah, it probably is. Uh, and other uh, horror surprise guests. And we're going to be there live recording. We want you to come out. You'll be a part of We had a great time doing it last year. And we're going to have an even better time this year. So get your tickets now. Flashback Weekend Horror Convention is at the Hyatt Regency O'Hare. The Hyatt Regency O'Hare uh, in Rosemont. Uh, and it's on Friday, August 4th through Sunday, August 6th. So the 4th through the 6th of August. Uh, a fantastic party and celebration of all things horror with celebrities everywhere. And me and Steve Procopi is my co-host uh, for some of these events. He'll be doing some Q&As and I'll be doing other ones and I'll be running around hosting and doing all kinds of great stuff. I'm there all weekend hanging out with celebrities and introducing you and hanging out. And let's come out, meet us, me and Esmeralda on stage doing a really, really fun live podcast. So you need to check that out. So we will be doing our live podcast on Saturday, August 5th at 12.30 p.m live in the ballroom at the Hyatt Regency O'Hare as part of Flashback Weekend. So get your tickets now, right now, flashbackweekend.com for the entire weekend, August 4th through the 6th, specifically for Saturday afternoon, August 5th at 1230, the live Nick D podcast. Nick D fans, pack the place. Get out there and pack the place and meet a bunch of horror celebrities and cool people and me and Esmeralda, and you can be a part of the podcast. It's going to be a blast. So, again, Saturday, August 5th, 1230 p.m., the Nick D Podcast live at Flashback Weekend Horror Convention. Flashbackweekend.com. Get your tickets now. Exciting stuff happening this summer, and we want you to be a part of it. You know who else is a part of everything? Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. I know you Hi, do, I'm baby. Carrie Russell, I know. and I love Nick's show. All right. She's a part of it. And so is Dan Feinberg, uh, TV critic for The Hollywood Reporter. We're going to talk TV and get some Emmy nomination predictions from Dan right after I tell you that you need to be congratulated right now. Congratulations. You're about to listen to the Nick D podcast. It's by far the best decision you've made today. It makes the other podcasts seem like crap. 
Again, when you hear that theme, you know it's time to talk to Dan Feinberg. Dan Feinberg, TV critic for The Hollywood Reporter. And his website, The Fine Print, which is spelled F-I-E-N, because that's how he spells his name. The Fine Print and The Hollywood Reporter. And we're talking TV. And let's say hello to Dan Feinberg. Hello, Dan. What up, Nick? How'd you celebrate your birthday? Uh, well, on my, on my actual birthday, I did a whole weekend's worth of activities. <laughs> but on my actual birthday, I saw two movies. And were they good movies, or are they embargoed movies? No, they're not embargoed. Uh, one of them uh, was great, and the other one was absolute crap. So uh, it was I got I got I got a taste of both ends, one and 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 extreme. Uh, the first one that I saw was Insidious: The Red Door. Uh huh. So I think you can guess which <laughs> which one that is. It is absolutely a movie that I know exists for yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah, and it's directed by Patrick Wilson. Uh, first time, uh, first time directing. He's appeared in the Insidious movies, and I got those confused because when I when I, uh, I I've seen all of them, but they all kind of meld together. And I get the Conjuring movies and the movies with the nuns and the movies with the dolls. I get all that shit mixed up. Okay. <laughs> no, know. It's, but no. Here's the thing. I I you you could tell me that they were all part of a shared universe, along with like well, I don't know is is what is Annabelle part of? That's the part of the Conjuring. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you you could 100 yeah. percent just tell me that they were all part of a shared universe, and I would I would agree well, with you. I've, uh, yeah. yeah, I don't know, and I, all I know is like Insidious is not part of the Conjuring universe, but it's all the more confusing because Patrick Wilson is in the Insidious movies, and he's in the Conjuring movies. Maybe that's why I've been confused, but, but or he's, or but he's not in in the Conjuring movies. It's he and Vera Farmiga play those two that married couple that in real life were ghost uh, hunters or whatever. Indeed. Okay. And yet he's in the Insidious movies, but he's married to Rose Byrne. So I got confused at the beginning of this movie. I'm like, wait a minute. What did he get divorced from Vera Farmiga? Is he now with, with, oh, and then I had to be reminded that it wasn't this, it was a different series. And even though it's the same crap. Um, yeah. So there's like five Insidious movies. Now there's like 27 Conjuring movies, the nun movies and the Annabelle doll movies. They're part of the Conjuring universe as well. And then there's Sinister. The one that I get confused, there's two of those, and Ethan Hawke is in one of those, and I remember liking the first Sinister movie, if I remember correctly, I think Scott Derrickson directed it, and I enjoyed that movie, but like all of this, I don't, like I literally, I'm watching this Insidious Red Door movie, like 15 minutes in, I'm like, oh, all right, this isn't a Conjuring movie, okay, I don't know what the hell's going on. So. Okay, so you're saying it was fantastic, and what was the movie that's and what was the movie that sucked? <laughs> well, the movie that sucked was Mission Impossible, uh, ah, Dead Reckoning okay. Part One, which was amazing. <laughs> it's just, uh, I love those movies. I love them. Um, and this was just, it. I, there were sequences in this movie, Dan. There were set pieces and action sequences in this movie that literally, uh, I had like my my fingers in my mouth. I was giddy. I just couldn't believe what I was watching. It's that it's. 
It's it's huh. amazing. It's amazing. Okay. It's, no, I I will definitely plan on seeing it. Probably maybe not this weekend, but definitely in the next couple of weeks. I will definitely. Yeah. Are you a fan of the that. other films? Uh, yeah, with 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 sort of varying uh, levels. I I don't I don't think they are all universally awesome and whatever. But I definitely am a fan of the franchise in general. Yeah. Uh, I just when I think when uh you know I'm a fan of I'm actually a fan of all of them uh to varying degrees. Like the 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 one that John Woo directed is probably the worst. Um. I like the one that J.J. Abrams directed. Well, mo- ma- well, mainly, well, you know why. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I love um, <laughs> Nick's show. She does get killed in it, but I, but she's in it. Fairly um, early on. She does, yeah. But the, the, all the Christopher McQuarrie ones, to me, are, off, are just off the, off the charts good. I mean, you know, this one in Fallout and uh, Ghost Protocol. I mean, I, I just... No, Ghost, Pro- <laughs> Ghost Protocol is I mean, Brad Bird. Yeah, Brad Bird. Okay, then uh, I don't even know. The the <laughs> Fallout, and then what was the one before Fallout? Uh, um, I don't remember the names of them. Okay. Why well, can't we just call them Why can't we just call them 5, 6, okay. and 7 like okay, civilized so, people? So 6, <laughs> 5, um, and, yeah, 6 and 5 were directed by McQuarrie. Yeah, this is and, seven. This, and this is okay. 7A as opposed to 7B, right. which is coming okay, so next year or something. 5, 6, and 7 are the best ones because McQuarrie just not – I mean, it's ridiculous how good he is with these set pieces. And the amazing thing, Dan, is that there are two locations in one long sequence that are, that are connected to other movies that are out right now. There is a long sequence that takes place in Rome in the very same lo- – sharing some of the very same locations as Fast X. As the Pope's Exorcist? That's <laughs> the Pope's. <laughs> yes, that's the Pope's exorcist. We're in one shot. Russell Crowe's on a scooter, just flying by. Um, but no, so it shares a, it shares an, a, a, an actual complete se- sequence in the same spot that was an action scene in Fast X. Okay. And when you see Dead Reckoning, you're like, oh, that's how you do a good action scene in that location. And then there's this incredible long climactic sequence that takes place on a train that echoes the first horrible 15 minutes of the new Indiana Jones movie. And it's like, oh, I see. You can do a really great train action scene without it looking like a CGI cartoon. And I, and I saw the Indiana Jones movie this past weekend, and I saw it, and there were like 75 trailers before the movie, because that's how life yeah. goes these days. <laughs> yeah. And the last of them was an extended both trailer and preview of the train action scene. And it was it really went right from that oh, no. into Indiana Jones. And even without having seen it, I knew that that was a bad thing to do to juxtapose <laughs> the two of them. I, it, was, I, it was just so obvious because you cut from Tom Cruise and everybody talking about Tom Cruise running on the top of a train yeah. and everyone talking about how accurate it is and everyone talking about the the stunt work and all of that. And then you go to Indiana Jones like, ooh, CGI blob running on the cross on top of a CGI exactly. train. Yeah, no, that, that part for sure, without right. even having to see Mission Impossible, I know that that is what a distinction yeah. It is. Well, anyway, I spent my birthday. I saw Insidious, which I forgot about immediately 15 minutes into the Mission Impossible movie, which is fantastic. So that's how I spent Excellent. my Excellent. I will, I, I will either get to that one this yeah. weekend or next. To Biggest be sure. screen possible, Dan, if you can. Biggest screen that possible. Is, that, is, that is my plan. If, okay. if I'm going to bother, that is my yeah. plan. I saw it in the Dolby Theater where the the seat shake and stuff. So that was yep. Cool. I I that was I, I saw Indiana Jones in one of those Dolby theaters, and yeah. so if nothing else, the seats reclined. My my yep. teeth my teeth rattled. All of that good stuff. So <laughs> you know, yeah. it had that going for it. There you go. Okay, cool. Well, anyway, uh, welcome back. Tell everybody about uh, the fine print, and uh, and then you know, and, and of course the podcast TV's top five, which 
One of the topics of this week's uh, top five is actually what we're going to be talking about here. Indeed. Uh, so, okay. So, obviously, I'm I'm basically at the fine print on whatever your social media platform of choice happens to be, whether it is Twitter. Um, I am threads. Are you on threads? I, I in a in a literal sense, absolutely. <laughs> do do what do I have a threads account? And you will see that I have yeah. two posts on it, and I don't plan on posting hey, anymore. <laughs> let me ask you a question really quickly before we get into it. What was the? Because I didn't even know, I knew that that uh, Zucker Zuckerbergy was gonna was gonna launch like a a, a a competitive uh, a Twitter thing, but I did not know it was called Threads. Uh, what do you think was the first thing I thought of? <laughs> I assume you were thinking about the classic Mick Jackson uh, um, telefilm from yes, exactly. the mid '80s, which. <laughs> Which it should be noted, and everyone should know this because it was in my newsletter last week. My now oh, seen this newsletter. It is okay. available on uh, on Tubi if you want to watch the original Threads, and it is a uh, it is a great example of something that the British do extraordinarily well. The kind of the the documentary uh, apocalyptic hybrid, and it's it's just a a really harrowing and yet extraordinarily British piece of television and it's on Tubi so easy to watch and uh and probably better than the social media platform I have to say I immediately I was like am I the only one who immediately thinks of this horrifying movie when I when I hear you call this thing threads really to be sure, British people, it, it had a much larger cultural footprint across across the pond. So for them, it obviously would have been the first thing they jumped to. And then otherwise, people would have to be old. Let's be yeah. let's be honest. That yeah. is yeah. that is how it goes. So yes, it, uh, it was it was funny yeah. because like I that was the first thing I thought of, and then I'm like looking on the social media, and I because I I got onto I you know I, I only have a few uh, posts on on threads I got on there. But I looked, and the only other person who like posted anything that was even remotely familiar to that because I posted you know the the eight by or I, to, I posted this the one sheet of it i'm like hey nice you know i'm glad that you i'm glad that you named it after this movie you know and then the only other person was edgar wright. edgar wright was the only other person who posted something like that and i can i can imagine that fairly easily no i i have you know i've, I've curated my various social media feeds so that there's a certain amount of uh expected people who will be yeah, doing things yeah, in course. similar ways. And exactly. so, so yeah, I saw, I saw a handful of people bring yeah. that up. Um, for people but, who don't know, it is like if, for, if, if you don't know and you're old enough, it's like the British equivalent of the day after uh, what, what the kind of social and cultural impact that that TV movie had uh, in America the day after is exactly the equivalent. And although Threads is, a mu- I think, a much better movie and a much more terrifying movie, quite frankly. Oh, it's va- it's vastly better. The, yeah. the one, one is kind of a, a sentimental movie of the week that happens to warn you that the world is going to end. The other one thrusts you in the middle of, yeah. of Sheffield <laughs> circa 1984 and the world ending. So, right. <laughs> no, there there's no question that Threads is better. Also, though, uh, Day After is not available on streaming oh. anywhere, whereas okay. Threads is on so, Tubi. So after you after you post your your next thing on on Threads, make sure you watch the British film Threads, and you'll be horrified. So, Until I'm forced to, I'm not going to. I'm for for now. I'm I'm hoping that somehow Blue Sky comes through. But the problem <laughs> is that it's invite only, and there's just no way that they can uh, they can sustain it as an invite only site, unfortunately. And uh, and they also when Twitter went all to hell a couple weekends ago, and people flocked to blue sky people who had invites it basically started crashing left and right, right. so unfortunately right. there's just no way that okay. it's going to be able to hold up 
All right. Well, I'm sorry, but you said threads, and I immediately it's a TV movie, so I had to t- I had to mention it to you. So fully okay. fully reasonable. Okay. Anyway, so, so the so fine yes, print F I E N people can follow you all over the place. Exactly, and have a weekly podcast with Leslie Goldberg. It is TV's top five, the numeral five, and uh, yeah, we cover the weeks we cover the week's news of various different kinds, uh, news and reviews, and we also tend to do weekly interviews though in the middle of the current writer's strike we've been de-emphasizing that and covering the strike in different ways so yeah that goes up every friday at whatever your friendly neighborhood podcasting platform happens to be tv top tv's top five check it out podcast platforms everywhere and uh you can check out uh, a hollywood reporter and everything that dan does at the fine print f-i-e-n all right cool um, in your latest episode, you do talk about the Emmy nominations, which, if you're listening to this early in the morning, have not yet been announced. They're they are on Wednesday. There is oh, some they're confu- Wednesday, they- so tomorrow. Oh, okay. All yes, right. exactly. There is oh, cool. some confusion on the interwebs as to when they are, oh. uh, but they are Wednesday morning. Okay. So, so if you're listening to this on Tuesday, because you know it's a podcast, you can listen to it anytime you want. That's the point. Um, but if you are in, da- in, feed, in fact listening to this on Tuesday, then these are predictions that Dan, Dan's going to make for the Emmy nominations coming out tomorrow. So yes, uh, tomorrow. And, Definitely. Uh, and are you tomorrow. looking? Are you looking forward to? And, and who's? I'm sorry, I forgot who the who is announcing it. It's Yvette. It's Yvette uh, Nicole Brown, right? It is Yvette Nicole Brown. Uh, yeah. I am not planning on watching the actual announcement. I will be perfectly happy to go through a list that gets sent to me by the TV Academy or by a coworker. When I get online that morning, that is gotcha. that is my plan, and then I okay. will do analysis with my colleague Angie Hahn, and that will be fine. Uh, I I tend not to at this point feel any particular excitement slash enthusiasm slash expectation of of things getting right. I suspect they will. They'll probably be sort of 60-40 on things that make sense, and then they'll do a bunch of weird-ass things that okay. are going to piss me off. And well, I want to get into all of that. I want to get into all of that. But before we do, one of the reviews that you did is for something called Full Circle. Um, and I want to hear what you. I want to hear your thoughts on it. Tell everybody about it, because it's got people involved in it that I love, like really, really love. So oh, it tell, is, tell me about is, Full Circle. That is the reason to watch is that it has many people uh, involved that many people love yeah. because that is what it is. Uh, no. So Full Circle is uh, the perpetually retired but never actually retired <laughs> Steven Soderbergh's latest series. Um, he is he is one. Of, he He's much more prolific in his retirement than Quentin Tarantino. I think he's less prolific in his retirement than Stephen King. I feel like Stephen King <laughs> has written 30 books since he officially retired. So, right, right. you know, whatever. Yeah. It I, is. I don't, when did Soderbergh announce his retirement? It was like 10 years ago, wasn't it? Was yeah, it was, it was 10 years ago. And, and he's. <laughs> just worked steadily and yeah. that's fine you just don't say you're retiring i don't i don't care keep working steven soderbergh i love you you're great yeah, why would anyone the, want the, you to retire yeah the majority of the stuff he does is really good so yeah even the yeah. stuff that isn't really good is interesting and, absolutely and yeah i yeah. would say full circle goes into the interesting category more than the fully successful this is um this is created technically it is directed entirely by steven soderbergh and he also, um, he works with his frequent collaborators, Peter Andrews and uh, Mary Ann Bernard, uh, his frequent cinematographer and editor, who are both him. Yep. Uh, so it's <laughs> it, it's it's his whole factory. He does all of that stuff. And but it is created by Ed Solomon, who, you know, for some people will be Men in Black writer Ed Solomon for for 
hopefully more people. He'll be Bill and Ted's excellent adventure writer, Ed Solomon, uh, for the purposes of TV. The last show that he and Steven Soderbergh worked together on was HBO's Mosaic. Did you watch Mosaic? I did not, although it is the name of my favorite Wang Chung album. <laughs> How okay. random that is. Un- but <laughs> unlike threads, that is not the immediate jump that I was making on this one. So well it's done. Brit- it is British. So I that, for, sh- for sure. I just this is this is not my point of reference on that uh, one. But anyway, okay. <laughs> Mosaic was totally an HBO series with uh if you go back and look at the just tremendous cast. It was also interesting because it was at a it was at a moment at which streaming original content online in certain ways was kind of original. So the deal was that there was a website and you could follow everything on the website, but there was a TV series that was kind of attached to it, but you didn't need to do one or the other. No one watched though. So it wasn't like anything mattered. Uh, (laughs) This is much less um, adventurous than that. This is a six episode HBO max limited series again, full circle for uh, people who got lost in your references to Wang Chung albums. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure what full circle makes you think of that would surprise people, but uh, no, I'm trying to think now if there's any sort of weird musical thing, but go ahead. I'm um, sure there is. Who knows? Yeah. Um, it is, it is a six episode uh, drama about a, a kidnapping. If you, it, like if you wanted to go with what the high-minded reference is, it is very, very similar in its general plot to Akira Kurosawa's High and Low. It's it's kind of a oh, there is okay. there is a kidnapping that involves the child of a wealthy family. Uh, the source of the family's money in this particular case is a celebrity chef empire. Uh, Dennis Quaid plays the celebrity chef. He has a re- ridiculous uh rat tail or ponytail or something it's very very distracting uh the kids parents are played by claire danes and timothy oliphant uh timothy oliphant who is in the much better return of justified which premieres next week uh which is also interesting because it is in many ways similar to the Indiana Jones movie in that Boyd Holbrook with a mustache is menacing everyone the entire time. <laughs> okay. That is, I was going to say, oh, no, I hope it's – I mean – It's better. It's, it's, okay. it's better than Indiana Jones. Okay, That's, good. My, my review will be up later in the week, but the okay. embargo is sufficiently up that I can tell you that City Primeval is is really satisfying. It's, awesome. Uh, okay. It's, it's not season two of Justified, but it's uh, – but it is – it does it does nothing to desecrate – how well justified ended. Good. So, okay. Good. Okay. That's good. I'm excited. Anyway, about so that. yes. Uh, <laughs> so Claire Danes, Timothy Oliphant are the parents. Um, and it's, and the kidnap is, kidnapping is orchestrated by a Guyanan or a Guyanese. I guess they are Guyanese crime syndicate out of Queens. And it's run by the sort of crime Lord who's played by uh, CCH Pounder doing a, a wow. sort of random wandering <laughs> accent. Uh, at the same time, it's all being investigated by the United States Postal Inspector Service. <laughs> uh, don't ask me why exactly. <laughs> they have they have a fair amount of apparently jurisdiction. And so they're they're basically leading the team that's investigating this. And the lead investigator on that side of things is played by Zazie Beats. Yeah. Uh, Always, whose whose boss is played by Jim Gaffigan. Yeah, no, no, yeah, for for Jim Gaffigan. So I'm sorry. 
<laughs> no, oh yeah, for Jim Gaffigan? No, you were breaking up. That's what you said, Jim Gaffigan. Yeah. Ah. Okay. I'm sorry. You were breaking up for a second. Uh, yes, of course. Jim, I love Jim Gaffigan. Yes. Okay. I wasn't it's sure. A different, you... It's a different kind of yeah for Zazie, but yeah for Jim Gaffigan. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, so it's, it's a lot of things about it are really interesting. It definitely feels like one of those Soderbergh things where the writer is off doing his thing. Soderbergh is doing his thing and you kind of hope that they're going to meet in the middle and then maybe they don't. And sometimes when that happens with Soderbergh, you get something like the limey, which is fantastic. Yeah. Uh, and in my review, I, I led by talking about the uh, Lem Dobbs, Steven Soderbergh commentary track on the limey DVD, which is one of the great commentary tracks. Cause the entire point is Lem Dobbs sitting there the entire time going, yeah, that's not what I wrote. What I wrote, <laughs> what I, what I wrote made sense. You made this, you made this weird and arty Steven and Steven going, yeah, what, what you did, I just wasn't interested in it. And it's like that for two oh, hours. It's, I have to listen. I don't have that DVD. Oh, I'll have it's to fantastic. To it is, oh it is so good. And the thing that makes it work is that you get, is that you absolutely get the feeling that they've had every bit of the conversation previously and that it just didn't matter to Steven yeah. Soderbergh that Lem Dobbs felt as if his script was being railroaded right. the entire yeah. way. Right. That's great. Because that's just what it was. And I, I think it's I think this is probably a similar thing. Cause like you come away from it. I've already mentioned the elements, and you're gonna come away going, why is the main family uh, Guyanese? Uh why is the yeah. main fam why is the other main family involved in celebrity food? Why is the United States Postal Inspector Service leading the investigation here? A lot of the things with the you can imagine a writer going, this is the thing that interests me. Soderbergh has no interest in it. And so he just does the Soderbergh things. And so it is intriguingly directed. All of the cinematography, it's sort of like, ooh, look, it's natural light. Ooh, look, the camera's in unexpected places. In, in right. a lot of ways, it's like the... HBO Max with the movie with the confusing title that Soderbergh and, and uh, Ed Solomon did during the pandemic or that premiered during the pandemic. No Sudden Move. Is that yeah. what it was titled? I think it was. Yeah, I think that's what where it was, yeah. it was so convoluted that you were like, OK, either you follow along and you just enjoy the craft of it all or you get yeah. infuriated by it all. And I think that it's very similar with Full Circle. I think you... I think you can absolutely get engaged by things, but if you want to understand why a lot of things in it are happening, I, I don't think that works out at all. And a lot of the performances by the biggest name stars aren't particularly interesting. Uh, I think Timothy Oliphant is getting, is getting to have some fun playing a father who doesn't necessarily do the badass Raylan Givens way of approaching things like this. I think that's fun to watch. I think Zazie Beetz is actually tremendous and I think she's extremely funny. I think there are parts of the show that kind of give the indication that it, it could be a comedy in somebody's mind, but that's not what it is. Um, and then I, I'm not going to spoil it for people who watch, but Keep in mind that Ed Solomon wrote the Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure movies because there are a couple of guest stars in the oh, series okay. from that franchise who are a lot of fun if you think about it in that way. Okay. That is what I will say about okay. that. All right, cool. Well, uh, well, I'm going to watch it. I think Cedar, I, you know, I think Steven Soderbergh, like we mentioned, is uh, sometimes just like loves to screw around and have a good time. And um, I remember. Uh, going to see with a couple of friends going to see uh, Unsane and everybody hated it except me. I was the only I was the only I was like man I thought that was that was a movie shot on his iPhone. 
God, um, I don't even. I definitely did not. See, I mean, I saw Claire Foy. I, I saw Claire, Claire Ki- I saw back in the day. No, yeah. I did not see Unsane. Oh, oh Unsane, Claire Foy, amazing in it. Um, uh, amazing, and it was shot on his iPhone, and it was just you know Steven Soderbergh going, "All right, I don't know what uh, you're you, you. This is incomprehensible, and I'm just going to do this." It's about a woman going nuts. It's called Unsane, and one of the guys, I don't know which one, one of the guys. It, uh, one of the guys from um, Blair Witch is in it. It's not the guy who's uh, who got his back to the, or not, who's facing the wall at the end. It's the other guy. Um, the guy Joshua, who was Le- in- Joshua Leonard would be the guy yeah. you are thinking of here. Jo- Joshua Leonard. He was in that movie. Oh God, what was the name of that movie? That um, oh God, now I forget. Anyway, um, oh, now I can't remember what the name of the movie was. It was a great independent movie from like fifteen years ago that a woman directed. Um, I believe you're you're thinking about the Lynn Shelton movie. I believe. Yeah, uh, and and I am blanking on. It's not Hump Day. Movie. It's not. Is it Hump Day? No. Uh yes, I think so. Okay, it, so now okay. I'm. <laughs> All right. That okay. Well, anyway, he's in it too. He's in this Unsane. With yes, hump, hump Hump Day indeed is what it okay. is. Okay, with lovely. I love by Lynn Shelton. Yes, I love her. I love that movie, and he's great in it. And he's nuts in Unsane. It's a and it's absolutely batshit performance. Um, but anyway, if you get a chance, watch Unsane. Just and Claire Foy is extraordinary in it because she's great in everything. But that's one of that to me. That's Soderbergh kind of at his most unhinged. <laughs> so, <laughs> this is uh, not a, this is this one is not unhinged. This okay. is it is not risky. It is not experimental. It is it is just sort of fun to watch. People, you know, it's great cast. It's uh, yeah. good New York City settings, etc. But not okay. not essential, but interesting. Uh, I have not. And it's not. Is it? Uh, have they put it up? Is it on? Uh, Max no, right it's now? a. It's a day or two away. I'm, okay. I think. Thir- I think Thursday sounds okay. right. Okay. Okay. Thursday. I will definitely. I'm definitely going to watch. It's six episodes. You said right. An hour yes. each. Hour. Uh. Yes. Okay. All right. So I can get through that this weekend. I think. Okay. Cool. Full circle. All right. I was looking forward to that. All right. Let's get to the Emmys. The Emmys. Uh, the Emmy nominations are announced uh, on Wednesday tomorrow. Um, um, are there, what, what are the, I mean, besides the fact that Succession is probably going to get 75 nominations, how many nominations do you think, um, HBO is going to get like 150, 140? Oh yeah. I would, I would not dare to, it, to also keep in mind that the Emmys have started categorizing HBO and HBO max shows together. I don't know that there's a big HBO max show this year because hacks didn't make it in time. And so, but I, I think HBO will, will have a very, very, very good day and i think probably the fact that netflix had a had a pretty mediocre year barring something from netflix doing surprisingly well and i think probably netflix will get way more nominations than they should for the the jeffrey dahmer ryan murphy thing i I think that'll probably get like 15 nominations which is ridiculous uh i mean the crown the crown will get nominated the crown will probably get nominated i think it's going to be an interesting question on the crown because there just isn't the same buzz for it that there was with season four. And because of all the HBO shows that sucked up all of the conversation all spring, it seems like that season of the crown came out a million years ago. And so that was the first, uh, that was the first season with Imelda Staunton and, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, and a lot of, and with the new cast basically. And so I'm going to be curious because previous seasons of the crown really have gotten, 18 to 20 to 22 Course. nominations yeah. and it, yeah, yeah. and it wouldn't surprise me if it only got 10 or 11 nominations if it if it was less successful but that's just based on kind of social media buzz and conversation which is not the same as the Emmy voters and I think that probably there really is a a conservative somewhat older core of Emmy voters who probably absolutely vividly remember that this show came out 
you know, eight months ago. And so uh, it, it could be that it's just not on the the buzzy radar, but it's totally on the voter radar and it could get 20 nominations as well. I, I still think it will probably do fewer, but. And we'll and, uh, and as far as Netflix goes, Wednesday's got to be big, right? Don't you? I mean, that's a comedy, right? That would fall under comedy. It, it is comedy. And that's another one where because of everything in the spring, it really seems as if the buzz for Wednesday diminished. And I don't think that that buzz is going to affect Jenna Ortega. I suspect she is a lock for a nomination. But I definitely think it could affect how many additional nominations the show gets, whether it is actually is a comedy series nomination nominee, whether it it gets I've got I, I can't honestly think if there's a, a supporting actor from that show who could get a nomination. But yeah. I, I would think probably seven or eight or nine nominations, because I guess there are probably production design and costume nominations sure, that it's sure, a lock yeah. for. Yeah. Uh, but I'll be interested to see if it gets a comedy series nomination. But Jen Ortega, I think, is pretty safe. Um, other quick Netflix ones, now in, in terms of like the limited series, what about beef? Is beef going to get anything you think? It's going to be, that one is going to be interesting because unfortunately all of the controversy that sprung up around David Cho and, uh, comments he'd made in the past and his failure to necessarily adequately address them and the shows dis- and basically all of the producers feeling that like, okay, we, we, don't really care you know we feel as if because we know him and we know he's changed his life whatever yeah but that that railroaded the conversation for a couple months unfortunately and it did, yeah it and, it, and it absolutely kind of stopped the buzz and that to me is too bad because it's it's too bad because i think in a vacuum i think dave cho could have been an interesting contender for sure. uh, a nomination i don't think he has a chance uh, but I, I i plan on being fully annoyed if uh, both Stephen Young and Ali Wong don't get nominated. To me, they completely deserve to, and Absolutely. it deserves to be nominated. But I, I don't know. I, I would hope that it will still get nominations because I think it's a really, really great limited series and far better than a lot of the things that are going to get nominated in that category, whether it's, again, the aforementioned uh, monster Dahmer, yeah. Dahmer, Jeffrey Dahmer story or whatever. But like if, if I had votes in that category, beef would be at the top of all of those lists. And I, I don't know. I, I hope it doesn't get forgotten. Where does Swarm come into this? Does, I mean, Swarm's not going to get nominated for anything, is it? Dominique Fishback feels like it's its best chance. And okay. I can imagine her sneaking in with a nomination, but I can also completely imagine her not. Yeah. And that will that will absolutely tick me off if that is if, oh, if she is so not good. nominated because she deserves to be. Absolutely. She's so but, good. But that's that's one where whatever its attention was, it was for a day or two or for even a week or two. And then it kind of vanished. And mm. so it's, it's tough. I, I hope that it will get nominated in, but there it's, it's hard to rationalize things like to me. Uh, I, I can't imagine any world in which Rachel Weiss doesn't get nominated for, uh, Dead yeah, for Dead Ringers. Yeah, same same category. Yeah, but that's for me. I can imagine the world in which on Wednesday morning she doesn't have a nomination, where Dead Ringers was just too alienating and too weird and too hard to watch for Emmy voters. I can I can completely 
imagine other people feeling that way. If I had a vote, she would get my vote at the top of that list along with Dominique Fishback every single time. Me too. (laughs) But I don't know if that's going to be the case. And so what, you know, what are, if, if Swarm and Dead Ringers and Beef, which to me are the most challenging things in that particular category, if they prove to be too challenging, then I wonder what the things are that benefit, what the things are that sneak into those categories, because I guarantee you those things are going to be worse. And that will be what will get me annoyed on Wednesday morning when <laughs> when I see what some of those things turned out to be. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's talk a little bit about some of the major categories. So the drama series, uh, again, Succession is not only going to get nominated, uh, it'll probably win. And as we've said 9,000 times, it's a comedy. So um, there, there's that. Now, will um, White Lotus be in drama as well? White Lotus is in drama, and I suspect that those are are two at the very top of the list. So, so that list will almost unquestionably begin with two comedy series that I would expect will be the. <laughs> I, I would be I would be pretty confident that those will be the two most nominated dramas, and they are both comedies. So both that comedies. is that is a yeah. that is a great way of starting the Emmys is to try to that, rationalize that. Isn't that <laughs> isn't that amazing? They're both comedies, and they're in the that's ridiculous. Well, what are some of the other ones? I mean, obviously, Better Call Saul, right? Will be. I think Better Call Saul is there and and the conversation around Better Call Saul, which will then be the conversation going forward for the next two months on Better Call Saul is the fact that Better Call Saul is 0 for 46 at the Emmys at this point, uh, figure that it is probably going to pick up another 10 to 12 nominations is one of those nominations going to be the one that's going to keep it from having some sort of absolutely horrifying over 58 Emmy record, which to me would just be such an injustice. And yet trying to figure out what the category is where it's going to beat succession or beat white Lotus. uh, I I don't, I don't know. And that's going to be, that's going to be uncomfortable. <laughs> uh, some of the other titles possibly for for dramas, like is Yellow Jackets, you think, going to get nominated? I think Yellow Jackets is going to be right towards the bottom of the list. I, I, there was definitely not as much affection for the second season. And I think that will, you know, it would not shock me if it fell out of the category. But there was enough buzz when the season started that I also mm-hmm. wouldn't be surprised to see it nominated. I would, I would expect to see Last of Us nominated. And I think that will be kind of funny because... There will be this video game adaptation in, you know, in the outstanding drama series category. That's that's kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, you know, the crown probably will make it in. I really think there is a a conservative enough voting base that will get it there. I think probably House of the Dragon is likely to get in, which to me is ridiculous, but it still is HBO and it's still mm. Game of Thrones and all of that. So probably I think it gets in. What about uh, I'll be. Uh, like 1923 maybe uh, let's see i'm trying to think uh probably not but only because uh well i not only because just in general because for the most part emmy voters haven't responded to the taylor sheridan shows and so maybe the past couple of years of shaming those voters and being like well this is the most popular show on tv why do you keep ignoring it maybe this is the year that suddenly all of the taylor sheridan shows break through that you know that 1923 gets nominated that uh, that bunches of nominations for yellowstone yeah. maybe sylvester stallone and tulsa king get nominated on the comedy side i, I would guess none of that will happen mm-hmm. uh but you know i'll i'll be looking to see if andor gets nominated i would like to see andor get nominated uh uh, it's it'll it'll be interesting there to me no. 
to me, this is less a year where it's necessary to nominate eight to 10 shows. There have definitely been years where I felt like if they didn't nominate eight to 10, they would lose some things. I think probably this year there are going to be some sketchy things in that group. In the comedy category, then, uh, I mean, obviously Abbott Elementary is probably going to win everything. And uh, what is it? Ted Lasso, obviously, that'll be in there as well. I would I would say that at this moment, because everyone's going to be confused by what season they're voting for, I think the bear is probably the favorite in almost all of those categories. In, in the comedy category, it absolutely is. It is. It, look, if uh, if White Lotus and Succession get uh, to be okay. dramas, why should the bear not be the uh, the comedy front runner? I, I also, as much as you know, as much as I laugh at Barry sometimes, I yeah. Barry is a significantly less funny show to me than Succession or White Lotus. So yeah, it you is. Know. Yeah. So, but whatever it will, it will probably be there. Um, but yeah, I, I think probably the the bear Ted Lasso and Abbott elementary are probably the big nominees on the comedy side. I think Barry probably does very well. I think there's probably some affection for only murders in the building still, though it's mm. been a while that category, the most interesting things are going to be seeing what new shows are going to break it. So you talked about Wednesday, I think Wednesday, probably more of a contender just for Jenna Ortega than anything else. Uh, it does poker face sneak oh, in. Is, yeah. Is poker face a comedy would be another question. I, I think I've got, <laughs> I've got no problems. I've got no problems with it being there. Zero, zero disagreement for me on that one, but is it going to break in? I, I don't know. Does Natasha Leone get a nomination? Are there nominations for, for Ryan Johnson for writing and directing? Are there nominations for any of the guest stars? I think that'll be interesting. I think it'll be interesting to see if, uh, if shrinking gets in, I think that shrinking has some affection. And I think it's probably a lot of the same affection as the fans of Ted Lasso. I think that probably Harrison Ford feels like a likely nominee in the supporting actor category helps. You know, Harrison Ford could be a double nominee if 1923 yeah. hits home. I, yeah. I think if Harrison Ford stole a 1923 slot, that would probably be bad. But I think if he stole a supporting actor slot i think that'd be probably pretty good i think he's i think he's great on the show so there are those a lot of the things that i'm most affectionate towards i think have no particular chance what are, what are those <clears throat> um let's see so starting with ones that i know we both like uh atlanta would be yeah, yeah. an I obvious even, one i don't even expect i, I never even expect i don't even expect it so <laughs> neither, neither do i but i think it's i think it still probably will get a couple nominations whereas i don't think that reservation dogs is likely to get yeah. any and that is going to tick me off in advance yeah. um i'll be interested to see if the great still gets a few nominations i i really enjoy the great i think mm -hmm. its cast is terrific etc i want to see a lot of the stars of dead to me get nominations uh, christina applegate and linda cardellini are both worthy yeah. uh but a lot of these things are simply less buzzy shows at this point i would love to see dave get a couple nominations i would expect that it won't get any so th this is this is kind of where the emmys get with me these days is that is that i would love to see like three or four things that make me really really happy on on nomination morning and if i get those things that make me really happy i won't be as annoyed about the things that make me pissed off and mm. i'm already anticipating getting pissed off that reservation talks will probably get shut out again so yeah. so yeah it's well a, i mean you've been it, pissed off you've been pissed off lately about reserve about what's going on with reservation dogs in general so disapp yeah. disappointed not pissed yeah. off on okay. on that one i'm only sad because it's ending that's that's yeah. all it is if yeah it, yeah if they wanted it to end who am i to say right don't end your show gotcha 
Uh, what are the chances that Daniel Radcliffe's going to get nominated for Weird Al? Uh, <laughs> I would say better than zero. <laughs> no, I you know I, I I think that I think it's tough because a lot of the no I I would I would honestly I would say fifty fifty on that one. I, really? I think okay. Probably, yeah. Right. I I don't think it's I don't think it's is a distinct possibility and it's a distinct possibility especially if beef for example turned a lot of people off or something if you look at the things that are in that category i think evan peters is just such a lock yeah, to probably God. win which i which again i think is ridiculous he's not bad in the jeffrey dahmer thing he's just not good. like the idea that anyone would have watched beef and not felt that Stephen Yeun was far and away the winner in this category is, yeah. is craziness. To I agree. Me. So, yeah, I agree. so, but, but like once a few of those things, a lot of those polarizing things lead people out like Steve Carell in the patient. I would love to see a nomination for him in that. I thought it was his best dramatic work ever. I just don't hear anyone talking about the patient anymore. So mm. maybe it doesn't get nominated. Are people actually passionate about George and Tammy on Showtime? I, oh, you know, not, not me. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. And, and so, and so there are all of these kind of right on the edge things. All it requires is a handful of people. Well, a handful of hundred people or thousands saying, but the thing I really, really liked was Daniel Radcliffe playing weird Al. That was right. the thing that made me happy. <laughs> so, so no, if he gets nominated, it, it would really not surprise me at all. I would, I would smile and say, sure. That was a, yeah. that was a funny thing to happen. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So as far as like guest actor in a drama goes, I mean, it's is is Cromwell a lock because that's also going to be the category that the two dudes from that uh, Last of Us episode, uh, Offerman and uh, Bartlett, are going to get nominated. Don't you think? I think he. I think they're. I think they're. I think that Cromwell's a lock to be nominated. I don't think he's a lock to win because. Oh, okay. Because I think that Offerman, that Nick Offerman and Murray Bartlett will probably both be nominated as well, and I think that they're both strong contenders I, I would i would say i also think they probably run the risk of splitting the vote and so there's that um that's that's one of those weird categories because there is a version of emmy night in which the only emmy that better call saul wins in its entire run is brian cranston for guest starring oh, on god better call saul. no which would be oh, which would be an injustice to everybody involved. Oh man. And that yet, would be so crazy, right? I mean it would, it would be horrible. Oh. And yet and yet that kind of thing is the kind of thing that Emmy voters do all the time. Like the, the the guest acting categories, those are the categories where they go with whatever random SNL host they happen to like in a particular year. Right. Uh, you know, there was the year that Ellen Burstyn won for 18 seconds of screen time. There were multiple years that uh, Margot Martindale won for the Americans <laughs> in yeah. seasons where she had one scene. Yeah. Right. Uh, right, right. So, so again, if Brian Cranston is so beloved by Emmy voters and they're like, well, this is the one chance we have to give this show a win. It would be the least deserved imaginable win for that show. And, but I can, can I imagine it? Yes. Uh, who would I like to see in that? I would love, I really am going to be annoyed if Andy Serkis for Andor isn't nominated in that category. That was a great three episode performance. That to me is exactly the kind of thing that Emmy voters should be mm. recognizing. Uh, but you know, if, if, 
Andy Serkis gets nominated, Nick Offerman gets nominated, Murray Bartlett gets nominated, James Cromwell gets nominated. I will have no problems with whatever stupid things happen below them. <laughs> okay. Uh, in the comedy, uh, in that comedy category, I mean, you know, you mentioned random, like, SNL, um, you know, um, actor, guest actor, or guest actress. I think Quinta Brunson should get nominated for, for, for her, her, her performance on, uh, on SNL. To me, it was the best episode of the season. I wonder is the is the <laughs> truth is well I th- I mean she's going to get bunches and bunches yeah. of nominations yeah, yeah. so there would be no reason why she couldn't but the truth is is she a big enough name for the weird 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 Emmy voters and I I don't know the answer I w- I would guess she's going to be nominated I I think probably that they like her as a, as a name. And I think she was really, really good. I think then you're going to sort of try to figure out who the potential people were from poker face. So there was Cherry Jones and the oh, really, really good Nick yeah. Nolte episode. I would love to see Nick Nolte get a nomination. I think that would be fun. Yeah. Uh, there was the episode with the, the ladies at the retirement home uh, that had Judith light in it. I think that oh, was a yeah. really good episode. Yeah. I think you can pretty safely guarantee that w- whichever of seven shows Harriet Walter was in this past year, specifically Ted Lasso in this category, right. though right. I guess she'll be up for both succession and also possibly silo. I think probably silos a supporting role, so she won't be in contention, but I can imagine Harriet Walter getting well, both succession and Ted Lasso nominations. Wasn't Shirley MacLaine in the murders in the building? She thing? was. And I, uh, I would think that she is probably roughly the kind of person who, yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> they're likely to, have, uh, your hell, your, your girl, Molly Shannon hosted yeah. an episode of Saturday Night Live that you didn't particularly like, yeah, but she yeah. was definitely in it. Yeah. Um, God, I'm <laughs> It's a good way of putting it. She was in hey, it. <laughs> wouldn't it be wouldn't it be funny if for all the things that you love oh. Molly Shannon in that that was where she got the nomination for this year? Yeah, um, oh my God. I'm trying to think of who else was a guest star on Poker Face. I thought Hong Chow had one great episode where she played the truck driver. I thought that was like really oh good yeah, yeah 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 yeah. I would love to see that. So there there are lots of options, and so we'll see who sneaks in. I the more the more I think about it or talk myself into it, Quinta Brunson makes more and more sense in that. So if that's one that you want to root for, I feel like that could happen. Yeah. And I think in the mail, in the guests uh, at comedy for actors, I think Pedro Pascal might get nominated for Saturday Night Live. Um, that was a great episode. He was terrific on it. So I don't know. I think that probably because he is very likely to get nominated for The Last of Us. I think that that oh, is, yeah. oh, that is I think that's close a lock. to I think that's a exactly. Lock. And so the question is, I think Emmy voters really love checking as checking people's names in front of as many boxes as possible. <laughs> and so because they like seeing people with different levels you know like oh look he did a, he did this he did this and we can even pretend that he did the mandalorian even though he was never in the mask the entire season so mm-hmm. uh yeah i think he's i think probably he's a pretty solid bet for comedy actor i think probably uh it, i love def marie abraham in the white i love the everybody in the white lotus but i mean he'll get nominated right but w- between him will he and imperioli get nominated you think I think probably that seems possible, which leaves people like Will Sharp out, which yeah. annoys me. I thought he was I thought he was very good. I thought uh but I, I think probably Imperioli and F. Murray Abraham, by virtue of being Oscar winner F. Murray Abraham and Emmy winner Michael Imperioli feel like the most likely there. It'll be interesting to see which of the various supporting actresses get nominations. I think Coolidge is easy. I think that probably because 
of the general miscategorization of the whole thing. I think probably Aubrey Plaza doesn't get in, but I would certainly, I would be happy for her if she did. I think, yeah, yeah, that's there. There are a lot of these categories that are really jam packed and I don't know if they would become better categories if a lot of the categorization was better, but is what it is. Will Ray Liotta get a posthumous nomination, you think, for uh, Blackbird? Probably, probably not. Um, okay. I, I would think that Paul Walter, Walter Hauser is the more likely of yeah. those yeah. actors, and and I'm fine with that. I, I thought yeah. that I just Ray thought because he, you know, because it was like maybe a, you know, oh, he he passed away. Let's give him a nomination. No, and I think I think it's true, and um, it's possible. I just think that those categories are so tough, and the uh, and the t- Paul Walter Hauser character role is so much more central that he's a lock and then mm-hmm. you kind of go will they have room for multiple people i'm trying i'm just going over in my mind the the other shows that would be in that category and who would be likely to sneak in so mm-hmm. so richard jenkins for the monster jeffrey dahmer thing he's probably a sure thing and so that's one um <sighs> As as I go through it in my mind, I can't instantly think of the six people who would be nominated over Ray Liotta. So yeah. I'm going to buff that up. I think I think fifty fifty on Ray Liotta. Wow. I'm going, okay. Yeah. No, because I because I, I can't think of that many alternatives. I think again, if if Dave Show were a thing that people were talking about, then I think he would be a possible possible contender for Beef. the The supporting actors in Beef who could be nominated, I think, I think Young Manzino uh, would be. Hmm a totally possible nominee and I would, I would love to see it. I would love to see yeah. Joseph Lee get nominated. I yeah. would, I would nominate them both. Uh, but, but they're just a lot of in that category, strange things. The past few years, the limited slash miniseries categories have been so dominantly the best. And this year that is not the case. And uh, yeah, it just, you know, it's, momentum and and shifting tides i don't think it's it's meaningful in any way i don't think that doesn't mean next year it won't be the best category again but this year there are definitely as i look over a couple lists there there are gaps so mm-hmm. okay so yeah i think i can see sentiment working for ray Liotta there okay all right well i, I you know i wouldn't mind seeing that i love the i love ray Liotta. He's the, he was he's... i thought he was i thought he was really good in in blackbird i really do yeah. and i thought he and i thought he elevated a part that probably on the page didn't have much there and actually really made it emotionally effective so yeah. okay i'd be i'd be um, pleased to see that deba- I, i'm gonna close with this is kieran culkin gonna win um, because he's getting nominated. That's not. Oh, even a yeah. Question. No, of course that's not. That's not a. That's yeah. not a question. Um, yeah. I don't know because once again, look, somebody should give an. Somebody should give Bob Odenkirk an award for Better Call Saul, <laughs> and the fact that he is probably going to end this show without one. I mean. The guy nearly died. What more did he need to do to let people know know that he (laughs) deserved an Emmy? Um, I don't know. Jeremy Strong has won, so he's a strong contender. They're, you know, Brian Cox, Brian Cox. See, but Brian Cox is miscategorized. He he should have he should have been a guest actor. Completely and totally should have been a guest actor for this season. Absolutely, he's only in three episodes. Yeah, so I don't. well, flashbacks. He's in, yeah. yeah, but, yeah, the, yeah. but the problem is that those count, and I think yeah, that that do. probably right. is what is what messed things up gotcha. for him. And I, gotcha. I don't know. So 
but he shouldn't be here and he shouldn't be nominated. As great as he is, he doesn't yeah. belong here. Uh, you know, Jeff Bridges, I suspect, is going to get nominated for the old man. Uh, yeah. I think probably he's not going to win. I think Pedro Pascal could certainly win for Last of Us. Uh, I would guess it's going to be one of the succession men and that if somehow the succession men split the vote, that's how Bob Odenkirk sneaks in, wins, and that would be my happiest moment on Emmy night okay. if somehow Bob there Odenkirk you go. won. Okay. All right. <laughs> so you're rooting for Bob Odenkirk. I'm rooting for Weird Al. There you go. That's that's it. Completely and, reasonable. And in 1986, Mosaic should have won Best Album at the Grammys by Wang Chung. That's that's all there is. <laughs> all right. Um. <laughs> and, and, and watch threads on Tubi. It's much better than the social media site. I think, there you I think go. we've covered right. a lot of We covered so much today. Here. All right. So the next time we talk to you in a couple of weeks, uh, is there anything uh, upcoming besides, like, we'll talk about what you got right and what you got wrong in the nominee department? We'll do this. <laughs> talk about that and uh but what's coming up that you're looking forward to talking about i I think i'm looking i'm looking forward to talking about justified in a little bit more detail because i think it's i think it's a really really solid return to form for the show and a lot of those reboots remakes whatever you think god i didn't really need that uh and i don't know that anyone needed more justified but i think people will come away from that feeling pretty satisfied to have it back I got to tell you, I think I needed it. I think I need it. <laughs> I do. I think I do. Okay. Coming All right. Uh, Dan, <laughs> always a pleasure. Uh, TV's Top uh, 5 is out there. That's the podcast. Uh, you can check him out at Hollywood Reporter. And everything is centrally located at The Fine Print, F-I-E-N, as are all of his social medias, including the British threads. So there you go. All right. Dan, uh, I will talk to you uh, in a couple of weeks. Sounds good. Till the next time, Nick. All right, buddy. Take care. Uh, Dan Feinberg is the best. All right. You know who else is the best? Is Esmeralda Leon. Esmeralda, yeah. Esmeralda All right. You know what that means? It's time to say hello to Esmeralda Leon, who joins me on every uh, episode of this podcast, and we welcome Esmeralda. Hello, Esmeralda. Hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm all right. Uh, Did you have a a good weekend? Uh, Yeah, it was all right. Just hung around the house. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, because I had the opposite of that. Mm-hmm. Because from, um, I, I'm going to say Thursday night through Sunday, mm-hmm. um, in three days, I encountered more people in those three days than I have in the past three years. Mm-hmm. And, I'm not, and I'm not kidding. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Um because like I had not encountered these this amount of mass people mm-hmm. for three days straight uh than 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 this just this past weekend. It was fucking crazy. Because I went to Dave Matthews twice. Right. Um I went Friday and Saturday and uh, um ridiculous amount of people. Okay. Yeah. Was it do you know is it sold out? Saturday, definitely. 
without mm-hmm. quite, Saturday was fucking crazy. Saturday was nuts. Friday, it was crowded, but not like insane crowded, and also not like the the crowd didn't seem to be as obnoxiously drunk on Friday as they were on Saturday. Oh, okay. Yeah, like say, Friday, they were it was fine. People were drinking and having a good time, and it was really crowded. And it took a little while to get out of there. And I went with I went with Julie, my friend, and and you know uh, we parked in the museum parking lot, so it wasn't crazy. She drove down, um, which was insane trying to get there because there's still roads closed because of NASCAR. Um, in that yeah, area. yeah, yeah. Uh, so we finally get down there. This is by the way, it's at Northerly Island where you went to see um, mm-hmm. Noel Gallagher in Garbage uh, not too long ago. Um, and so we went, we parked, she had never seen Dave before. She was beside herself. She loved, had a great time. It was a great set. It was a very sort of introspective set. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was about sort of memories and melancholy. And it got me to thinking, I don't I, you know that my friend Mike View just passed away. Like my, um, yes. my yeah. uh, a close buddy of mine who I co-wrote plays with and acted with and stuff like that. He's a really close buddy of mine. He died. He's 52 and um, he passed away. And Dave was, he was a big Dave fan. Mike was. And uh, I saw Dave with him uh, uh, multiple times. And then Friday night's set list was really, it reminded me a lot of Mike. It reminded me a lot of Mike. Mm -hmm. Um, Because there were a lot of his favorite songs. And also it was a very, like I said, you know, like every, I don't know if you know this or not. I'm sure you do, you know. uh, But the reason, uh, the reason why a lot of people go see Dave over and over and over again is because you never get the same show twice. Um you know, that's kind of the cool thing. Like, if you go to a show, a regular concert, and then you go, like, two or three nights, the set list is going to be pretty much the same every time if you're going to a big show. Mm-hmm. Every night it's different with Dave. Uh, uh, in fact, between Friday and Saturday of this past week, he only played two songs the same night of, of, uh, from the same from each the same show. That's it. Mm. Uh, I mean, the sets are different. And that's why people go. That's why people go. That's why I've gone so many times is because – you never know what you're going to get. Seriously. Like, he will play stuff that he hasn't played in 10 years. Suddenly, one night, he'll just play it. And they, they always call... Sometimes they call an audible on stage. Where, like, the, if, there's like a, if there's, like, a two- or three-minute break between a song, that means that they're like, well, let's, move, let's play this. I feel the crowd this way. Let's play a new song. Oh, wow. Yeah, and they do that all the time. And so, but in addition to that, but that night, I don't know, what, I don't know whether Dave was feeling pensive <laughs> on Friday. <laughs> But it was very sort of melancholia and memories and stuff. And it got me to thinking about Mike and, you know. Um, but it was, a great, it was great. It was a great show. But there were like 30,000 people there. And I, wow. don't, I, don't, I don't see 30,000 people very often, you know. <laughs> and, and, you know, and again, trying to get your way out of there. Now, did, when you went for just recently, were you, on the, were you on the lawn or were you in a pavilion seat? No, I was in a pavilion seat. Okay, you I was were like in, in the two hundreds. Okay, all right. So you were actually inside the place because the lawn now is separate. Like when you enter, it's a separate entrance. There's a there's like a there's like a a, a, a giant fence up where you can't actually enter the facility. No. Oh. So what they've done is they fenced off a big lawn and they put up a bunch of tents with beer and shit. Mm-hmm. So you're basically sitting in another you know another property. <laughs> Like further back. Yeah, it's not even part of the original design. So huh. what they what they used to have for the lawn, they've now like turned into like a seat area. Yeah. And then they grew a lawn. <laughs> wow. Over the past few years, and now this they have just this massive lawn that's walled off. Like the entrance is separate. Like you have to walk around the field or uh, around the Adler Planetarium to the back to go into the entrance. 
Oh, interesting. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah it's completely huh. crazy. It's completely <laughs> nuts. I'd never been on the lawn before. And and when we walked up on Friday night, I'm like, wait a minute, where's the... Because they're like, no, this is the wrong gate. And I'm like, what are you talking about? This is the gate to get into the facility. They're like, no, you're on the lawn. That's around the corner. Yeah. <laughs> so- yeah, thinking about it, I didn't even see... Well, I didn't see signs or anything that said for lawn. Yeah. Because we had seat seats, so... Right, and you know what? Um, it, it, hmm. it, if you're inside, and I'm sure this is exactly how you write, exactly your observation, Esmeralda, if you're inside, I don't think you even know there is a lawn. Because yeah, it's, and I it's... think they choose... <laughs> They choose whether or not to open the lawn and have lawn tickets because I didn't I don't think I even saw lawn tickets for uh, the garbage show. I guess that makes sense. I mean, uh, Dave's a big draw. So, yeah, I mean, um, yeah, they would want. Yeah, we're going to want lawn. That makes sense. That makes sense. Because, I mean, he can sell out. He sold out. I mean, I've been to see him at Soldier Field like four or five times. He can sell out Soldier Field. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that makes sense that they would open up. But I'll tell you something. On Friday night, the lawn was not packed. It was sold out inside, you know, like the regular place where you guys were for garbage. Mm -hmm. That was sold out. And then the lawn was pretty full, but not real full. And I'm like, oh, this is awesome. I was thinking to myself, this is fantastic. So... The show, so I see 30,000 people that night, okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, and, uh, and so, by the way, and then Thursday, I went to go see, uh, Thursday, uh, I went to go see the Mission Impossible. Thursday was my birthday, and I went to go see the Mission Impossible movie. Yes. Um, All right. As Happy a, birthday. As a, well, thank you. As a birthday <laughs> gift to myself. And for some reason, that night, there were like 8,000 people downtown. I guess, like, they were, you know, they were still spilling over from the July 4th weekend. Yeah, I guess so. So I go down to a screening, packed, train, packed. I'm like, Jesus Christ. So I get up on Friday. I record the uh, – uh, I, get, I get up on Friday. I go down to, uh, to, to Cochran's show, mm-hmm. and I do my segment doing movie reviews on Cochran's show, and it was very heavily populated in downtown Chicago. Then Friday night, I go back down to Northerly Island, and there's 30,000 people, and we're trying to drive, and all, it was insane. So because the set was so good Friday night, I'm like, I'm going again Saturday. So I put in a call uh, to someone who I have connections with, and they were like, yeah, I can get you on the lawn. So I'm like, all right. So I went by myself. So I took the mm-hmm. train. I took the train in the bus. So 9,000 people. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I get on the bus. I get on the 146 because I took the, the blue line to, like, um, you know, Washington and State. Mm-hmm. And then I jumped on the 146 Museum Campus Express, okay, um, and packed. And it was really funny because we hit one stop and a bunch of high five and white bros with baseball caps got on. And I was like, yeah, I'm getting off at the same stop these guys are for sure. Right. <laughs> <laughs> They're not there for the museum. No. The clear- <laughs> yeah, they are clearly not there for the museum. <laughs> hey, dude, let's go to the Adler. Yeah, you know, I'm not. I'm not uh, <laughs> let's let's tailgate in front of the shed. You know, um, and there was, by the way, tailgating. Drink. I mean, all of the shit that you see. The tail. Were people tailgating yeah, when you went to uh, for, no. for Noel for Noel Gallagher or anything or not? I well, I didn't. I didn't see the. Uh, I didn't see the parking lot. So okay. I don't know if people were there. Yeah, because I walked up back from the because it's like. Uh, the planetarium is where I kind of walked around from back. Um, and that's where people people enjoyed parking and, and playing their cornhole and blowing weed and getting loaded, as they do at every Dave Matthews show. So anyway, I go by myself on Saturday. I take the train down. There's 9,000 people. I get off the train. There are 9,000 people on the bus. Uh, you know, I get to the I get to the place, and, it, and, I, and I bought a Dave Matthews rug slash blanket so I could have something to sit on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
And so I found a really nice spot between a married couple from St. Louis and a mother and daughter. So I thought, okay, these are not drunk knuckleheads. You know, I'll be okay. But then the invasion of idiots came in. Um, Right. (laughs) And it was, I would say, I'm going to say twice the amount of people on the lawn Saturday as there was on Friday. Wow. And they were drunker. The set was better. The show was better. It was not as sad a show. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, if the songs he chose were better and they were more uplifting. And he did a lot of older stuff and a lot of stuff that people would recognize. And he did All Along the Watchtower and a lot of the covers. You know, he did Sledgehammer. He covered Sledgehammer by Peter Gabriel. And he did that. A lot of crowd favorites. And it was a great show. But, man, were people loaded. I mean. Yeah. I mean, I could see that Saturday. They have more time rather than a Friday where they're probably getting out of work. And man, oh man. And it was a great show, but I wanted to punch everybody in the mouth. I was like. <laughs> well, you are at a Dave Matthews show, so. I know, I know, you know. And uh, I've been sober at many Dave Matthews because I've seen Dave, you know, a lot sober. But Ben, they were extraordinarily loaded on Saturday. Um, though, So anyway, but the show was great. But then getting out mm-hmm. was un believable like if you were claustrophobic or had problems with crowds because at one point there were like 30,000 people trying to get out of a narrow space that is about 40 40 people wide Mm -hmm. it was yeah that's the that's the time when you just have to like just let everybody go yeah and you're gonna have to wait it out (laughs) yeah and I didn't do that and by the time I was like man I should have waited I was right in the middle I mean you couldn't like if you stood still they would have walked you know they would have climbed over your ass so, so then I discover as we're getting out that they had a goddamn soccer game at Soldier Field at the same time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, so I get out of the crowd, and I run over to the bus stop where the 146 is. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, there are 9,000 other people, and they have like 12 146s lined up, you know. And so I get on, and now there's 9,000 people on the bus. And they're all drunk, and a bunch of them are sneezing and coughing. And I'm like, I've got COVID. There's no way I, <laughs> right. there's no way I don't have COVID. Over the, over the past three nights, I've encountered roughly 50,000 people. I am now on a crowded bus with a bunch of sweaty, drunk people sneezing and coughing. I have COVID. There's, there's, there's no way. And it took me, the concert on Saturday night let out. At 10.35, okay? The concert ended at Mm -hmm. 10.35. From the moment the concert ended to the moment I walked into my front door, what time do you think I got home? I'm going to go midnight. 12.40. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) 12.40. It took the bus an hour and 15 minutes to get from Adler Planetarium to Staten Lake. An hour and 15 minutes. Yeah, I usually I don't get on the bus until yeah. like after the show. Like when we went after the show, we just walked over to downtown. Mm. Yeah, no, I mean I would have done that except that like I, I blew out all of my walking the three night the two nights before. I'm like I can't. I'm and I stood the whole show and I'm old. I'm old man and I and I stood the whole show and, and the shows were three. Dave's shows are three hours long, so that was in those two days six hours of standing amongst drunks. And I was like, I just want to get on. I want to sit down on a fucking bus. And, and I did. I got a seat on the bus. I wasn't standing. I got a seat on the bus. So at least I was sitting for an hour and 15 minutes as it took. To right. Get there you go. Oh, my God. And then the, and then the train was delayed. When I got down to the blue line, the train was, 
it was amazing. It was amazing. And then on Sunday, um, they had a street fest uh, on Southport. Um, and I was going to meet my friend Julie uh, at the theater, and we were going to go to the street. It was like a, like a Southport art fest. Mm-hmm. We were going to go to that, but also the big thing was, I don't know if you know this or not, but the music box on Saturday and Sunday this weekend for that during the fest was open, free to the public. You could go into the big theater and watch six hours of Looney Tunes for free. Oh, that's nice. So we were like, okay, let's meet, and we'll go. We'll have a little bit of food, and then we'll go and watch some Looney Tunes for free. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. So I get on the Irving bus, and I get off the bus, and from Southport on, there's 9,000 people in the street. <laughs> on the street there. There's like, yeah. And Sunday, yesterday was beautiful. The weather was unbelievable yesterday. And so there were 9,000 people on Southport. So now I'm like, you know, today is like this last three days. Uh, I don't even know what the hell's going on. And then I got to the music box, <laughs> hung out a little bit. Uh, and then um, I got a call from Julie. She lives on the south side. She's like, I can't make it up. Why don't you just come to my place? And I'm like, all right. So I get on the red line. I don't know if you know this or not. As well, you probably don't. But there was a Sox Cardinals game yesterday. Um, I vaguely knew that. I knew they were playing at some point, but not when. So I, I'm taking the train because she lives on the south side. I take the metro to see her. And and so I'm taking the red line to get down to and I get on the red line. And I'm like, uh oh. And I look and I see like a ton of people in Cardinals, you know, uh, uh, mm-hmm. uniforms and a ton of people in, in sock swag. I'm like, oh, shit. And then at a certain like at, at Fullerton, when I got to Fullerton, 9000 people. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm now on. So after spending two days among fifty thousand people, sixty thousand people live, I'm now on a train with a bunch of drunks, or not drunks, but a bunch of people going to see the Sox and the Cardinals play. So, yeah, an adventure in big. Cra- Have you ever had any like crazy shit with big crowds? I know because like the last time, like you're smart, Esmeralda, because I'm an idiot. You're smart. You waited. You planned it out so that you didn't have to be with a bunch of idiots. I was in Moron Central for three nights straight among 50,000 people. Yeah, I, I mean, it happens because what yeah. are you going to do? Everybody's yeah. going to – there's only one way to get to yeah. a certain spot. So yeah. you're not going to be able to – and especially if they don't take into account the CTA doesn't add more trains or whatever. So then, yeah, everyone piles in. It's always the worst. And I don't know – um, I'm sure you've probably experienced this, but like, I don't know if I've ever been on a bus that almost ran over 15 people at the same time because there are just people just walk in front of the bus. Oh there's yeah, like, there's no, thousands people, of people just, just walk, walk whenever. Like, no one cares. <laughs> like you're walking in front of the bus, and the bus would honk at him, and they'd give him the finger. Hey, fuck you! It was like, no, you're in a street walking in front of a bus. Yeah, but I, yeah, no one know, cares anymore. They don't, and and especially <laughs> because there's like thousands of people doing that. There's like people. Mm-hmm. There's thousands of people just walking across the street where, you know, the lights green, but they don't give a shit. They're at they're they're leaving the Dave Matthews show and they think that they can just walk across the street in front of a bus and it's okay. Yeah. No, no one cares anymore. <laughs> if you're on foot, you're on on a bike and a car, no one cares. Yeah. Everybody uh, everybody just wants to get wherever they're going. And uh, if they want to murder you, it, apparently <laughs> it's on their fine, okay. <laughs> yeah. Whatever, man. Um yeah, and that and I'm telling you, and and I don't, you know, that whole area because the bus had to go from the museum area down Roosevelt, you know, mm-hmm. and that you and turning left onto Roosevelt from, you know, Michigan State or wherever that was, mm-hmm. uh, it took like nine hours. It was ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, with people plus, like you said, that there's all the closures still. Oh my god. Yeah, it's a mess. everybody on the bus 
loaded, and they're all like, they started a, for some reason in the back of the bus. It was one of those accordion buses, so it was a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And someone in the back started for some reason. I don't know what was happening in the back of because I was in the front of the bus. I was sitting in the seats near the front. Someone in the back started chanting "Green Bay sucks." I have no <sighs> idea. Of course they. I don't know. So I, I'm, a, <laughs> I'm guessing some poor soul on the bus, one of the sober people or whatever, had a Green Bay Packers shirt on or something. And so there was a ch- – I don't know. I don't know. Anyway. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, I encountered more, you know, like thousands and thousands of people more than I've encountered in three years in three days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ridiculous. It was ridiculous. But anyway. Um. Anyway, but you know, I guess I guess I should have expected that, obviously. But right. But 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 I guess no. I mean, I guess because it was such a different experience on Friday, and mm-hmm. also Friday, the storm clouds. We thought we were going to die. I don't know if you remember on Friday, but um, you know, the forecast was like, oh, it's going to be downpours. It's going to be horrible. There's going to be lightning and all kinds of shit. And it looked terrible when we got there. Mm-hmm. Like the sky was black. We got there at like six o'clock, and it was like it looked like it was nine o'clock. Um, and it drizzled, it rained a little bit, but that was it. And then it cleared up. So maybe that kept people away as well. I don't know. Yeah. I mean that too, people weather wise, but I mean, like he's, I think because of Friday, the fact that people are probably working Yeah. and then they're going or they don't want to go on Friday because of that. So then more people go on the Saturday because it's like, well, I have the whole day. Right. And I guess that's why Dave chose the pensive set for Friday. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But anyway, he, it was great though. Both shows were great, man. Great. Um, so it was great. It's just you know, um, uh, people were drunk and and there were a lot of the, the Friday night, not so much, but Saturday night. Um, you know, as you know, Esmeralda, there is a certain reputation that the Dave Matthews fan base has. Mm. Um, that was not really evident on Friday. And Julie was like, oh, they weren't, they, the crowd wasn't that obnoxious. I'm like, yeah, you're right. Maybe maybe people have matured. And then I went back on Saturday and I went, no, they haven't. No. They have not. So, <laughs> anyway. but, so crowds. Uh, you're not real great with crowds, are you, Esmeralda? I just don't like crowds. Right. Because, you know what, once there's that whole thing of like, I don't know, groups of people, they just turn into cattle. And no one thinks for themselves at that point. And it's yeah. just mob mentality when everyone's trying to move around. And that's people that's, become quite um, like they have no knowledge of how to do anything. Yeah, once they're in a crowd. <laughs> well, that's exactly. And I'm telling you right now, that's exactly what happened. What happened from trying to leave that place to get to the Adler Planetarium in the crowd. Yeah. That's exactly what happened. Oh, by the way, I have to tell you this. You'll love this because they have security people all over the place, obviously. And I feel mm-hmm. bad for those people that work in security because they got to deal with these fucking lunkheads, you know? And one guy's like, uh, one, one of the guys, as we were getting close to the exit gate after the mm-hmm. show on Saturday, as we were getting close to the exit gate after the show on Saturday, this guy's like, he looks at me and, I, and I'm kind of shaking my head because he was yelling. He's like, get off the foot because people were like climbing on top of shit, you know, and he had to tell people to get off of stuff because, you know, people are idiots. Yeah. And they were drunk. And, and I, he, we make eye contact and he looks at me and I shake my head. He shakes his head. He's like, motherfuckers who can't handle their liquor need to go. I mean that too. Yeah, people don't know don't know how to handle themselves yeah. and act fools. Yeah, yeah. So, anyway, uh, I don't like crowds either, and that was confirmed over the past weekend, Esmeralda. Yeah, there you go. And I, and I it feel always be- cements it. It always just makes no, it. Absolutely. Like, All right. Absolutely. I still absolutely. don't like crowds. <laughs> uh, and I and I feel better uh, uh, physically 
today than I did like yesterday because I was convinced I had COVID. In my brain, I was like, I got COVID. There's no way I don't have COVID. Right, yeah. <laughs> so, like, it's like psych- the, the law of averages. Like, it yeah. has to. All these people, no one gave me COVID? Like, <laughs> yeah. that and can't then, be possible. It, it, it all hit me when I was on the bus late Saturday night when I was on that damn bus sitting there waiting to go to, for the hour and a half trip to St- Staten Lake. Yeah. When people just started going, <laughs> and I was like, oh, shit. You know, like, immediately yeah. I'm like, I got COVID. There's no way. And nobody, for some reason, understands. I mean, small, they teach small children this on Sesame Street. They teach them to cover their mouths. Yeah. yeah. And for some reason, people just don't. Nope. They think it's fine to just cough out into the, the universe and yep. not into your arm. Loaded. And they were all, uh, I mean, it was, everybody. it was after a Dave Matthews concert. It was fucking like 11 o'clock after a Dave Matthews concert. I mean, Jesus Christ. So anyway. All right. Well, crowds still suck, Esmeralda, in case you were wondering. Mm, okay. <laughs> hey, but you know, what crowd know. Won't, you know what crowd won't suck? Hmm. The crowd that comes to see us at Flashback Weekend in August. Oh, because they're, you know, they know how to handle themselves. They're right. They're, they're horror fans. <laughs> they're my tribe. They're my people. Um, and uh, we are doing this podcast live on the stage in the ballroom at uh, Flashback Weekend, which is August 4th through the 6th at the Hyatt Regency O'Hare. There's a Scream reunion, a Terrifier reunion, a Christine reunion, a concert by Alan Haworth, uh, Joe Bob Briggs and Sven Gulli together. Sven Gulli, nice. uh, I understand, might be Berwin. our stage. And we will have nice. a special celebrity guest or two with us, Esmeralda. Ooh. And you had a great time last year, correct? I did. It was wonderful. So we'll have a great time. We'll meet a bunch of people. Go to flashbackweekend.com. Get your tickets. We get on stage at 1230 for a live taping. Be a part of a live podcast taping. We'll be talking with the audience like we did last year and talking about scary movies and stuff. And it's a special anniversary. I'll save it, Esmeralda. Mm -hmm. But August 5th is a special 40th anniversary of something that we're going to talk about. I'll save it. Ooh. I'll save it. So if you want to know what the special 40th anniversary celebration conversation will be, you got to come. So check it out. Flashbackweekend.com. Hi at Regency O'Hare. We're on stage August 5th at 1230. So there you go. Anyway. Uh-oh. Wait a minute. She hasn't come by yet. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's oh. show. Hi, Carrie. Hi, hi. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, hi. and I love Nick's show. I don't know if you know this or not, Esmeralda, but I picked her up an mm. official Dave Matthews Chicago concert T-shirt. She's wearing it right now. Oh, yeah. I would think she would just DIY one herself. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's right. She makes T-shirts. <laughs> yeah, that's, I totally forgot about that. She makes T-shirts. I'm uh, amazed you didn't see her out there selling contraband. <laughs> yeah, maybe she was out there on the she was out there on the fake lawn in the back selling the uh, selling, selling knockoff the, Dave yeah. shirts. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man! All right. Well, she's here. Everybody's here. Everybody's yeah. here. Yeah! Oh, yeah! Yeah! So uh, there you go. So my dad will be stopping by to tell a joke. So Esmeralda, now you f- saw a video of a young girl and you posted it on our Instagram page, which you run. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Nick D Podcast. Be uh, check us out at Instagram, Nick D Podcast. Uh, like us on the Instagram or follow us on the whatever you fucking do on the Instagram or the threads or whatever the hell it is now. But anyway, follow us on Instagram and you'll see some posts and some reels and some videos and some pictures and stuff like that. And you posted uh, a story about this or a video of this girl, right? Mm -hmm. That now over the weekend became this girl became the subject of a CBS Sunday news story. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But you posted the video on our page a few days ago 
on the stories, yeah. On the story, yeah, on the stories page, uh, the stories part of it. So what, what, what? So you, how did you find the video and what did you post? Tell me about it. It was that video where they tell her that she's going to the Michael McDonald show. Right. So okay. So the girl's name is the girl's name is Paisley, and she's mm-hmm. from she's from Iowa, and she's like eleven. And uh, and and this story to me is amazing. You posted the video of the girl getting all excited because they're going to go see the Doobie yeah. Brothers. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I posted the act that video where they're like, "You're going to see <laughs> the Doobie Brothers." Right. She's like, "Michael McDonald." Right. Exactly. <laughs> so so for people who might not know, this is me doing Michael. <laughs> Okay, so that's that's me doing Michael McDonald. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, this 11-year-old girl discovered Michael McDonald and loves him. And they had that video. And so CBS, like you, Esmeralda, saw that TikTok video and decided they would find the girl and do a story on her. Yeah. And I, and I wanted to talk about this to, to, to set off another uh, conversation. But here's a little bit of it. I don't know if you, if, if, if you saw the story, Esmeralda, or not, but here's a little the setup of it. Uh, mm-hmm. And this is a CBS Sunday uh, morning uh, news story that they did this weekend. And so here's the setup of everything in this 11-year-old girl who, for some reason, has fallen head over heels in love with Michael McDonald. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so here's the story. While most tweens in America are fawning over Bieber, Swift, and Styles, 11-year-old Paisley Gardner has a different idol, a singer she kept hearing on the radio. Sounds like an angel somehow. Sounds like an angel. Yeah. What? Huh? Like, okay, well, that's kind of odd. Parents Tony and Jessica say they didn't know what to think when a few months ago their daughter became obsessed with that buttery smooth voice of that 70s soft rock legend, Michael McDonald. They say Paisley was smitten. Without an image of who this person was. So one day she Googled a picture of Michael McDonald and she came running up the stairs and flailed herself on the bed and was like, no, no. Her pop star turned out to be a grand pop. I just had to deal with it, but it's okay. So last month, Tony got tickets to see McDonald here in Des Moines, Iowa. Got him at the last minute for $7 a piece. Eat your heart out, Swifties. And then surprise Paisley with the concert of her lifetime. You want to go see him? Yes. Let's go. And I almost screamed. You did scream. Yeah, I did. Yeah. yeah. Okay, adorable. I yeah. mean. My favorite part of that whole video is where she yells. She goes, I love you, Michael McDonald. Yeah. <laughs> and then she goes, some, I guess someone looked at her and she goes, yeah. what? I do. I know. I know. It's so good. <laughs> Isn't that it's great? such a little kid thing to say. Like, what? I do love him. That's yeah. why I yelled though. <laughs> it's so great. And it's just, this is like what, this is like my favorite news story of the year, man. I mean, an 11 year old girl falls in love with Michael McDonald and sees a picture of him and he's like 80. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, yeah. It's always disappointing when you look up a song or whatever and you're like, ooh, this is great. And then you look at them and they're like, oh, they're dead already. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> I guess no more new music out of them. <laughs> so, I mean, I love the story. And then there's more to it. Like, she goes to see the Doobie Brothers, and she's screaming in the audience. And then afterwards, they go, mm-hmm. you know, where the band is leaving. And she says, and, and he waves at her. And she's like, oh, my God, he said hi to me. Oh, he said hi to me, you know. <laughs> and then there's another video where, like, she was waiting out by the back, and someone gave her a poster. 
Yeah. So like one of the one of the fans, like somebody in their sixties or you know around my age, were like, "Here, you go ahead and take this," because they were like, "Wait, an eleven year old girl has a crush on Michael <laughs> McDonald." I mean, you got to keep it going, I guess. Absolutely. Michael McDonald will live on. So she gets it signed and gets to shake his hand, and she was beso- like beside herself, like almost going to pass out. Like literally, yeah. an eleven-year-old girl <laughs> named Paisley from Iowa is in love with Michael McDonald. Um, and then CBS, after they did the news, they hooked up with her again, and she got to like talk to Michael McDonald and do a whole Zoom thing. Mm-hmm. And so she gets to see the next concert. She's going to go backstage and all that stuff. So it's a great story. Oh, you know wow. what I mean? It's a great story all the way around. So she'll get to go backstage and like see the show from backstage and like meet him and talk to him and hang out with him a little bit more. So they did this, this view thing, and one of the first things she asks him was. Are you friends with Christopher Cross? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! So I love this story. I posted it all over the socials as the you know the story that they did and the fact that this girl like the first question she asked Michael McDonald, "Are you friends with Christopher Cross?" <laughs> oh, it's the Do you best. run in the same circles? Uh, and, and, and he's like, "Yeah, Christopher Cross. Yeah, Christopher Cross is my friend." You know, well, that's like he doesn't talk like that. But Oh, he doesn't? What? No, he doesn't. He doesn't. Like, yeah, Christopher Cross is my friend. Oh, you know, he doesn't. It's not goodness. how he talks. But, uh, hey, Paisley, how you doing? You know. Um, so, anyway, I love it. So, this 11-year-old girl discovers, you know, Michael McDonald and loves him. Now, were you ever, did you ever, because, I mean, okay, we've talked about your celebrity crushes in the past, and your big one is Edward Norton, which, mm-hmm. which is, you know, that's, it's, you know, he's not, I don't think he's on the top of lists for people. Right, he's not a heartthrob. Yeah, because if you're going to pick a cast member of Fight Club, most people would go with Brad Pitt. <laughs> right. And then I was like into Edward Norton before Fight Club. Right. Because I see him in Primal Fear, and I was like, he is great, and I love him. Now, see, so- that's, to me, I don't know what that says about us as humans or you as Esmeralda, that you, like, fell in love with him after Primal Fear. Well, because I was just like, well, one, that ending blew yeah. my mind. Yep. So because of that, all of that, and the acting and everything was so good yeah. that it just endeared me to him yeah. even more so. Yeah, yeah. I, can, I, can, I totally understand that because uh, talent goes a long way. You know what I mean? Like if, it, if, if, you know what I mean? Like if someone is not the most like hunky or the most, you know, like, you know, stereotypically good looking, yeah. but they've got yeah. some, they've got some fucking talent that goes a long way, you know? Right. So. It's like a good suit. Yeah. It ups your good looking <laughs> levels. It's like a good suit. Oh, mm-hmm. I love that. I love that. Um, so, but now when you were a kid, did you have any sort of Paisley uh, like uh, I mean, crushes. I liked the Beatles. I was in love with the Beatles. Mm-hmm. And they were old. Yeah, they were old. In yeah. the 90s, they were old. They were yeah. old, and, old. And, and one of them was already dead at, at that yeah, point. Yeah, and dead. Dead yeah. and old. One died before you were born. One of them was dead before yeah. you were even born. Yeah. Um, so but so that you were into that. now. But a weird crushes when you were younger. Did you ever have any weird crushes? I mean, I, and then this is, again, this goes towards, like, the fact that I liked Edward Norton, um, but I watched Career Opportunities, and I, I, I got a mad crush on Frank Whaley. What was it? Mind you, he's, like, young there. He was. No, so no, he's no. Not he like, was... No, no, he's no. Like a good, he was, like, a good-looking guy. He had that, like, nerdy thing going. Yeah. Uh, so you like, so you get, you like, now see, I got to tell you on the, I've seen that movie and I don't remember anything but Jennifer Connelly. 
That's the right. Time. I remember her on a riding. I remember her on the horse. That's the only thing that I remember from yeah. that movie. That that's quite frankly is the the white tank top and her on the horse. I was like, oh, yeah, this is the greatest scene in motion picture history. Um, but but is it? What's funny is Dermot Mulroney yeah. is in it too. I was, uh, you know what? Because he's like all kind of scruffy, dirty. I was like, gross. No, thank you. And well, I he was like the well, clean cut Frank Whaley. The, and he didn't he have like a pompadour kind of hair thing in that? Like a he did. Yeah. He did have a little bit of a pompadour going. Yeah. Yeah. And then like, I can't remember who the other dude because the other the other thief because Dermot Muld- Mulroney McDermott Mulroney was one of the thieves, and then there was another. Wasn't there another dirty thief too in that? Um. Yeah, but he's kind of whatever name. Okay, so he wasn't popular. He's, yeah, so, he's nobody. But you were all about <laughs> Frank Wally when you saw that. Yeah, which is funny because like I haven't watched another movie with him. <laughs> it was just that one. Yeah. Well, you saw <laughs> I didn't, you saw, like try to venture through and like have you, see him in other things. Did you get a little did you get a little misty when you watched School of Rock? Cuz he's the judge at School of Rock who lets them in. No. He's no. in that. He's in School of Rock. <laughs> it's only career opportunities. That's it. Okay. <laughs> it's the no only more. one where I'm like, yeah, you look He's nice. in a ton of stuff. He's in The Doors. I know. He's, I mean, he's in a ton of I stuff. I mean, he's in Pulp Fiction. I saw yeah, him yeah. there, but I'm not like, hey, hey. Oh, that's right. He is in Pulp Fiction. Hey, look at the big brain on bread. That's right. That's, yeah. That's right. There's also, there's something about his character in that movie. Because again, there's the personality and the humor and, and, and all of that really yeah. does add up. And like roller skating around the venture, or if it was, I don't even know if it was a venture. I can't remember what it was. I think it was a target. A target. Okay. Roller skating around the target at two o'clock in the morning and stuff. Um, And and again, he's the guy who, when you look at that guy, he's like, there's no way that he's going to get Jennifer Connelly. She's way out of the league. Right. Exactly. But see, she sees something in him too. See, so I'm not that crazy. So Frank Wally, um, and did you did, now? Did you ever have like any regular team like when you were younger? Like, did you like the nine hundred two one zero kids and all that stuff? Um, that? I wasn't into nine hundred two one zero, but I, I was in love with you know, all I my first concert and added to it was all for one. Oh boy! So if you remember, okay. which by the way they look like schlubs, so they just look like dudes. Like they weren't even one. the most good looking. Yeah, they weren't even the most good looking. Of of all of the of all of the boy bands in that era, you chose all for you chose well, all for one. At the, for some reason, in the nineties, I feel you could be kind of schlubby and still be a musician, a yeah. mus, a musical artist, and be a heartthrob. Because everyone in All for One just kind of like. Eh, I don't even like remember dudes. who was in. Did anybody ever go solo? No. Nope. <laughs> so nobody went solo from All for One then. No, nope, no one knows. I mean, you just know them because they're in All for One. Right. And okay. they have this, the I Swear song, which I'm sure like every oh, I love that damn song. wedding was doing yeah. that song at the time. And so what was it about them that separated them from your Backstreet Boys and your and your Could and your insane? You. Yeah. Well, Backstreet Boys was later and I was already a little older by then. I gotcha. And Insync was a little one, later too. Right. They were a little yeah. later too, Insync, yeah, yeah. Because All for One was around ninety four, so that was like peak between gotcha becoming a teen that was like peak space that was peak uh frank wally (laughs) (laughs) oh man uh that's that's really fun now were you ever into did you ever get into menudo no no that's that's before my time (laughs) okay all right did you like ricky martin uh i didn't know about ricky martin until he um 
until he did Live in La Vida Loca. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, so you were too you were t- too old for no, no. That was before your time. So you were too young for Menudo because Menudo yeah. was in, oh eighties. They were eighties, right? They were eighties and nineties. Yeah. 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 Okay. All right. Okay. That makes sense. Um, well, if anything, I have a crush on Ricky Martin. I've always had a crush on Ricky Martin. Oh, well, I, there you go. I love Ricky Martin. Oh, my God. <laughs> now, do you know who had a crush? I, I had weird crushes when I was a kid, too. Um, mm-hmm. Like, I had a crush on... I, I, I had a tendent, to, for some reason, when I was really, really little, when I started watching horror movies and stuff, mm-hmm. I really liked British women. Like, I went, yeah. I went through a period Well, I mean, where, most of those... Yeah, see, but... Here's the thing, too. In those horror movies, they're all babes. <laughs> like they're all well, the in most the ham- good-looking yeah. people. Yeah. <laughs> in the Hammer movies, in particular, the Hammer movies that all yeah. of the all of the women in the in the British Hammer movies were all it was all cleavage and blood. And I was like, yeah. I was drooling in front of the TV. But like Carolyn Monroe was my was my favorite. Carolyn Monroe. Mm-hmm. That's M U N R O. Um, and I. Oh my God, did I love her? She was like the first, like major, major, like British female crush that I, I still love her. And I, and you know, mm-hmm. and and I keep hoping at some point that we'll get her to come to flashback. Yeah, you know, but she never has come. But I will tell you this: if if Carolyn Monroe ever comes to to flashback, Esmeralda, you will be you will you will witness me faint. I, I, <laughs> I'm not kidding. She's like in her 70s now. And I'm telling you right now, I would walk up to her and the minute I would see her in, in front of me, like if she were two feet in front of me, I'd pass out. That's the... <laughs> I adore her. I adore her. Um, and then there was an, a British actress who did a couple of horror movies, but, but um, she is known for other things. Susan George. Mm. Do you know Susan George? Mm-hmm. I do not. Okay. You look her up. Susan George. That was another one of like Nick's major crushes when he was like nine or ten. Mm. Susan George and like those two on the British spectrum <laughs> of uh, <Yeah. laughs> of uh, women that I had crushes on. Carolyn Monroe, Susan George, huge, huge, and that was unusual. My friends would, it, would be like, "Who the hell? Who's Susan George? Like, who? Carolyn? Who? You know?" So that's why it's kind of right. weird. You know. I mean, could you get? Did you? Could you get a poster of them? Like. <laughs> Of me now? No, like at the time. Um, oh, uh, no, I don't know. That's a good question. I didn't have any. I I used to take out pictures. Like for, for Carolyn Monroe, she was mm-hmm. in all my monster movie magazines. Oh, so, there you go. So I would take them out and tape, tape them on my wall. I had tons of pictures mm-hmm. of Carolyn Monroe on my wall. Susan, I'm trying, I don't remember if I had any pictures of Susan. I don't think they ever ran any articles about C- Dirty Mary and Crazy Larry. I'm not sure they had... Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure they had a magazine spread on straw dogs with her and Dustin Hoffman. I'm not really right. <laughs> sure. Um, but yeah, they're both they're both like in their 70s now. Yeah. Um, and Susan George, I think, was married to Simon McCorkendale, who was a pretty oh. pretty popular British actor. <laughs> and I think she dated she dated some other. I think she dated some famous people. Susan George, um, she was a 70s babe. I would I would I think right. Um, um, but Carolyn Monroe was much more specific. Um, and she was a bo- Carolyn Monroe, by the way, was a Bond girl. Oh, there you she go. She was in uh, Live and Let Die, I think, or The Spy Who Loved Me. I can't remember which one, but she's in one of the Bond movies. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I had I had a thing for the British ladies. I don't know, which was unusual because my friends were like, "You're an idiot, get out of here." 
you know. <laughs> so I was lusting over Susan George, and you were lusting over Frank Wally. That makes us weird. Yeah. <laughs> and meanwhile, I mean, someone has to. Yeah, and that's someone why Paisley. <laughs> someone has to love Michael McDonald, who's under twenty. That's got to be somebody out mm-hmm. there, right? And and also has to keep because that'll keep it going. Yeah, his music uh, and everything. Yeah, and I love that their parents were so encouraging of it. I'm going to take my daughter to a David to a, a Doobie Brothers concert. I love. I mean, that. it was seven dollars for those tickets. Seven bucks for the tickets. <laughs> That's only about a thousand dollars less than seeing uh, Swifty. Yeah. See. Oh, yeah. Man. No. Total deal. God, so funny. So so funny. All right. All for one. Have they? T- have they? Esmeralda, have you ever seen? Did you see them? I did. Oh I my saw God. them. F- uh, for one of my birthdays. I forget which one. Do you remember yeah, where? Yeah, I got to see them. Uh, they were at the Rialto. El de Rialto. The Rialto Right down Theater. the street. Right down the mm-hmm. street from you. Yeah. Wow. Now, have you kept up with them? Have they reunited? Have they done Have they done a, a reunited tour so. or anything? I'm sure they have one of those, you know, it's the 90s bands type situation. But no, I, I have not kept Would up you with go them. back and see them just for shits? Shits and the giggles? Uh, probably not. No. Now is all. Now let me, let me ask you this: Is all for one? Is the is the word four an actual number four? Yes, of and course. And the word one, but the word one is one, the word word one, right? Right. It's the one. It's the word one. Yeah, because okay, that'd be so- too much. No one would get it. They would think it'd be all forty-one. <laughs> right. All forty-one. Exactly. You don't want that. You don't want that. That looks like that would look like a license plate as well. So that that exactly. Um, so all the number four and the word one. Yeah. Who were the members? Can you name them? No. I'm telling you, they were just like schlubs. Again, in the 90s, for some reason, you could be a schlub and be in a, in a band. Not even a band, because in a band, like, you play instruments and stuff. Right, There's been right. schlubs and bands right, since right. the beginning. But these are like the boy band type thing. Like, you could right. be a schlubby dude and be in a boy band. As long as you know your choreography, you're good. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the schlubby all for one. I got, we have to find out where they are now. I got to get him. I'll get, let's get him on the podcast, Esmeralda. You go ahead. <laughs> let's get him. Uh, you know what? Let's see if they can make it to flashback. That would be scary. I mean, that would fall that under would, horror. That would make no Yeah, sure. Uh, <laughs> just don't tell him that. <laughs> so they show I'm sure up they go, would love to hear that. <laughs> they would show up and go, why are all these people dressed up like the guy from Scream? What is this? What the <laughs> What's happening here? Oh, man. Okay, all for one. At one point, Esmeralda was the president of the fan club. <laughs> yes yeah that's fantastic when you weren't when you weren't listening to all for one you were watching frank wally movies. watching career opportunities <laughs> but that's cool though i mean that that's cool that this 11 year old girl loves michael mcdonald i find that so endearing. no it's again and, you have to it has yeah. to be you have to keep it going somehow it's fantastic michael mcdonald if if you don't michael will mcdonald yeah. will go into the oblivion nobody will remember <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah um no it's true I was like, are you friends with christopher cross that's my favorite thing <laughs> rod oh, locked to wind yeah, yeah. rod locked to wind yes oh man all right great all right uh you know who uh who uh, enjoys uh, uh christopher cross who's that oh um, i think my dad does hold on a second oh <laughs> Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I Hi, love Nick's show. Oh, she's got a T-shirt that says Christopher Cross Sailing. Oh, wow. Wow. Right. Hey, I think she's going to sell it to my dad. All right. <laughs> <laughs> well, my dad's paying for his T-shirt. Let's do this. Oh, it's the best part of the week, baby. It's time to hear something funny. Here we go with your music intro. Ah! 
It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. Nick's dad tells a joke. Yeah. What'd I say? It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. Nick's dad tells a joke. Yeah. Now, um, I don't know, Esmeralda, I don't know if my dad's going to be all philosophical and depressing like he was. Remember the last? <laughs> the last mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't know what the joke's going to be, but he looks like he's in an okay mood. Okay. Let's see what it is. Okay, Dad, go ahead. When the new funeral parlor opened, the undertaker faced stiff competition. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Man. Back on the puns. I guess, yeah. And, and like, I don't know what's going on. Death? Stiff? Funeral? Wow, Dad. All right. In, enjoy your Christopher Cross t-shirt. That was jokey, jokey, jokey time. It was a jokey, jokey, jokey time. Nick's dad told a joke. They'll do it again next week. Uh, I don't know what his next subject is going to be. I have no idea. Maybe deca- <laughs> decapitation, perhaps? I don't know. Oh, wow. I, I don't know. I'd All like right. to hear those jokes, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, well, uh, so reminder, uh, get your flashback tickets now on uh, Saturday, August 5th at 1230. We'll be live in the big ballroom recording our podcast. You can be a part of it. You can meet all kinds of celebrities and hang out with me and Esmeralda. Flashbackweekend.com. Uh, and uh, the next uh, podcast, Amy Guth, the lovely Amy Guth, is going to join nice, me. Nice, nice. Uh, she is from Crane's Business's uh, Daily Gist podcast, and she is m- just finished making a movie and is now editing it. So we'll talk a little nice. bit about that as well. My thanks to Dan Feinberg for joining me, and I hope his uh, Emmy nomina- nomination predictions come true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we will find <laughs> out uh, that later today. And then, uh, and uh, thank you for listening. Esmeralda, you rule the planet. Oh, and thank I you. Will, I will get back. I will let you get back to your Frank Wally shrine. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got to go watch <laughs> Career Opportunities for the 10th time today. <laughs> if only they, if only All for One had a song on the soundtrack. Wouldn't that be... That would be insane. <laughs> the connections, that the threads that were, were put together. Yeah, oh, no. <laughs> incredible. Okay. All right. Well, uh, listen, hey, be a sponsor on the podcast. Advertise with us. Uh, we just got some numbers in, by the way, Esmeralda. And a lot of people listen to our podcast. I just wanted to let you mm. know that. So uh, you should be a sponsor. It'll be good. Sales at RadioMisfits.com. You want to leave us a voicemail or a magic megaphone message, which I skipped again this <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, get to that. 773-417-6948 for any message you want. Email us anytime. NickDPodcast at gmail.com. My thanks to Ed, everybody at Radio Misfits, Jason Skaggs for doing all the music and the weird sounds and stuff. And my thanks to you, and we'll see you next time on the Nick D Podcast. The wind is right on-